Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. I'm Nico Bakulich. And I'm Lauren O'Neill. And let's get biblical. Let's get biblical. But uh, first, Nico, do you think you're more of a Samantha, a Carrie, an ex-Christian, or a non-believing sort of Jew? I am... Samantha. <laughs> okay, great. Well, I'm an ex-Christian. Mm-hmm. I was raised Presbyterian, uh, taught Sunday school, sang in the worship band, uh, and I'm now an atheist. And I'm the non-believing sort of Jew. Also, this is not a Bible study podcast. If that is what you're looking for, please turn this off. You'll only get angry. Yeah, Godspeed to you, uh, which I guess is like a God thing, yeah. right? Uh, and good luck, because... It's weird. You're going to need it. You're going to need it in this goofy-ass book. Um, what else? This is not for children and, um, you know, I sometimes talk about violence and sexual assault and stuff like that because it comes up. So, um, if you're not into that, then you're not into that. And we respect that. We do respect that. Because that's what this podcast is really about. R-E-S-P-E-C-T? Mm-hmm. I spell it respect. Oh, with a K on the end? Mm-hmm. Nice. So today we are talking about what is it going to be? What are you going to say? The apocryphal book of Judith. Oh, good! I read this one, and we are uh, calling upon the spirits of all famous Judiths to help us with this one. Uh, Judith Garland. Judith Garland. Okay. Judith Dench. I guess she's not dead yet. <laughs> you can uh, still call upon her spirit. Okay. Her indomitable spirit, and that's Dame. Judith Dench. Thank you. Uh, Judith Jetson. Judith Jetson, right. And uh, and Judith Butler, because we're going to be getting into some gender trouble. Okay. That's a little queer theory joke for all you academics out there. Uh, I have some fast facts. Do you want to hear those? Uh, yes. All right. So. More than anything in the world. This book is apocryphal. Okay. It's in the Catholic Bible. Right. But it is not in the Protestant or Jewish Bibles. Right. Which is weird, right? Um, well, you know, like, it is weird. Because, like, the author was presumably Jewish. Mm-hmm. And I read that apparently a version of it is read during Hanukkah. In some cases. Yeah. I, I think. I don't know any details about that. Um, but I guess it's really unclear when it was written, but it was probably quite late. Yeah, like the first century BC. Yeah. Um, so... That's why it's not 100% canonical, I guess. And also, that means that it's very ahistorical. So, like, it's written, like, at least, like, 400 years after After the the events that it's describing. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not sure, from what I read, if the original is in Greek or Hebrew. Mm. Um, And apparently the Greek and Hebrew versions use different place names and ruler names. Yeah, I read that as well. So... You read the NRSV. I did. I read the uh, Good News translation again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because this... It's, I'm not sure that's the best choice in terms of scholarship, but it right. might be the best choice in terms of having a good time. It has some good quotes in it. My normal New International Version or NIV does not have this. So mine has... I guess it's translated from the Greek version. Did you ever think that now in your life you'd be a person that like spends time on like BibleGateway.com and like knows how to like click around and like switch between translations and stuff like that well honestly yes Mm -hmm. (laughs) um because i spent the first like 18 years of my life thinking that that would be my whole life sure and also i oh you're the ex-christian oh yeah yeah. Uh, my bad my bad yeah yeah i'm not carrie i'm not samantha no um you're a carrie type is that true i I, i've actually writes for a magazine i've actually never seen an episode of sex (laughs) in the city okay but also, I work as a copy editor and uh, people quote the Bible and then I have to go like find which version it is and mm. make sure that it's accurate. Mm. So I actually have spent a lot of time on Bible Gateway even before we started this podcast. Well, then fuck me. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> We're talking about fucking the Bible, Judith. <laughs> We're not talking about fucking the Bible. <laughs> uh, so mine has like Nebuchadnezzar as the king. Yep. Is that what yours has? Yes. Okay, so we're both working from the Greek version. Okay. Um, and that's Nebuchadnezzar is the name of a historical Babylonian king, mm-hmm. but it is not. It doesn't make sense historically with the events that we're about to talk about. That's true. Um, and also, it says that he's the king of Assyria right. in here, which he which was is a not. different country. Yeah. 
Apparently, there is no evidence that the Book of Judith was ever considered authoritative or a candidate for canonicity by any Jewish group. Um, I mean, that kind of makes sense because it's definitely like it's very it's like a nice little fable, Mm -hmm. but it's obviously very ahistorical with these inaccurate ruler and place names. Mm -hmm. It would have been kind of embarrassing to like stick it in the Bible and pretend like it was real, you know? Oh, yeah. I guess people do think the Bible is real sometimes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, Something that I forgot to mention is that like millions of people (laughs) think the Bible is literally true. Okay. My bad. (laughs) You know, we sit here in our ivory tower. Um, We, of course, live in the ivory tower apartments. We live Um, in our cardboard tower of (laughs) a San Francisco apartment. We can hear the people in the building next door having sex. It's true, actually. It's true. Uh, anyway, we get, we're here in our tower. It's easy to forget. You know, there are people out there that believe different things. People on these streets trying to get by with the Bible. Occasionally. Yeah. Probably struggling. Sometimes. Anyway, book of Judith. Yes, let's do it. Chapter one. Chapter one. We've got King. Interesting choice of a place to start. Do you want to talk about that real quick? Um, well, chapter one is number one in my heart. Uh So I wanted to just like make it number one in the podcast. You know what? That's a great reason. And I'm proud of you. Thanks. For going with what's on the inside. (laughs) We'll be right back. (laughs) We won't be right back. Well, we'll be back right now. King Nebuchadnezzar. Mm -hmm. Mr. X. King guy. Yeah. The king of Assyria. We can call him Neb, you know. Nebby. Like another famous Neb, Neb Flanders. Neb Flanders. King Neb Flanders is trying to get some other countries to form an alliance with him to fight a war against a place called Medes slash Media. Okay. Uh, I don't really know how to pronounce it. Yep. Uh, no one will join him and he gets real mad. Mm-hmm. He just goes to war against Media by himself, like a brave Republican Twitter egg. And he wins, Mm -hmm. unlike a Republican Twitter egg. Six years later, he's still holding a grudge. and uh, Against all the countries that refuse to go to war with him. Yes. And so he wants revenge on them. And so he sends out his armies led by a man named Holofernes. Mm -hmm. H-O-L-O-F-E-R-N-E-S. So it's either like hollow ferns, like... Uh Uh-huh, like... Ferns with hollow bones. Or like hologrammatic ferns is what I was thinking of. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's cool too. Holofernes is leading the armies and he's supposed to go subjugate everyone to the West. Mm -hmm. It doesn't get more specific than that. It's just like. And I thought Assyria was north of Judea too in previous stories, but whatever. Yeah. So it's just like uh, everything west of here, just go conquer that. Yeah. Um, Which includes like Syria and Edom uh-huh. and a bunch of places, bunch of places, yeah. including Judea, Judah. Uh, hey, bro, Judah. <laughs> and then like Nebuchadnezzar is going to like slide in after him and take credit. Like that's like the explicit plan. He's like, OK, you go do everything. Well, he's and a then, general and then Neb is the king. And then that's I'll come in and take credit. The West, quote unquote, tries to surrender and I guess they I guess a lot of them do surrender, but a lot of them do, yeah. Um Holofernes and his army still destroy all their temples and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're just supposed to worship Nebuchadnezzar as a god. Right. Now, meanwhile, the Jews have just returned to the kingdom of Judah after the Babylonian exile. Right. And they just rebuilt Solomon's temple that was destroyed. Is it still Solomon's temple if if it was destroyed? I guess not. They just rebuilt the temple. It's the second, second temple yeah, they, era. Yeah, so they just built the second temple. And they were like, kind of really hoping it wouldn't immediately get destroyed again. <laughs> but they're doing great. Yeah. For more details on rebuilding that, you can listen to our episodes on Ezra and Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boring and, books, but great apps. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. So we put out some premium content on this goddamn podcast. So the high priest in Jerusalem, whose name is Joachim, Mm -hmm. starts alerting everyone in Judah that there's an army coming. And so everyone's like praying and wearing sackcloth. And Joachim has a plan, which is dope. What's his plan? His plan is, first of all, everybody pray and fast and do your sacrifices and get really good with God. At the same time... The Lord helps those who help themselves... 
So go on up to the hills and specifically the forts at this one place, um, a town called Bethulia. Bethulia. And he says, just fortify this one town. And if we can hold this one town, it's got like a narrow mountain pass that gives access to the rest of Judah. Yeah. So if they can't get through here, they can't get to the rest of us. And so. And also it'll be easy to defend because, you know, the mountains and you can like drop rocks on their heads or whatever, you know. Sure. Yeah. You can roll dinosaurs down the hill at them. There's at, dinosaurs still? Yeah. And the dinosaurs will like look up and be like, well, it's a living, you know. Oh, right, right. Because we're uh, in the Flintstones section of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Got it. So Barney Rubble says <laughs> th that. Says to the rest of the Jews. <laughs> but anyway, I wanted to point out that this plan is straight up the best plan that the Jews have ever had. Yeah, it is. It honestly is. It's sound in so many ways. It's like that is a sound strategy for um, fighting this war. Also, it starts with the exhortation to get right with God because they're like, hey, we are only protected by the grace of God. Right. So like they finally figure that out. And I'm like, I'm like, are you kidding me, guys? Like this is you guys have an actual plan and it's good. No wonder this is apocryphal. So then meanwhile, Holofernes, um, the general or whatever he is. Oh, he's general. Um, I don't know what the fucking military ranks are. He <laughs> asks some of his guys like from other places in the region, like what's the deal with these people in Judah? Right. And um, the because leader, at this point, the Jews are the only ones that like haven't yeah, either been destroyed or surrendered. And the leader of the Ammonites, a guy named Achior, uh, gives an answer that hews very conveniently to the narrative that Jewish mythology, for lack of a better term, has settled on mm -hmm. at the point when this book was written. Um, and you can tell it was written pretty late because this is a very streamlined, like oh, yeah. edited it's version. Nice. Um, and so he says, well, they used to be Babylonians, but then they abandoned the ways of their ancestors and started worshiping the God of heaven. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, like Abraham. They settled in Canaan, but famine drove them to Egypt. Right. So that's Joseph, Joseph and Jacob's, the rest of Jacob's sons. Um, Egypt made them slaves, but God led them out of Egypt by drying up the Red Sea in front of them. That's Exodus. Yeah. That's Moses. And uh, they came back to Canaan, wiped everyone else out, and have been living here a long time. I read that, and I was like, oh, I forgot that they killed everybody. Yeah, so that was like Joshua and Judges. Uh, <laughs> and then as long as they obeyed their God, good things happened to them. But when they disobeyed, they were defeated and punished and scattered. And Achior wraps this up by saying, if these people are now sinning against their God, even unknowingly, we can successfully attack them. Mm -hmm. He's basically like, these people have holy armor. Yeah. As long as they're right with their God, we can't defeat but yeah, them. So if, if they're right with their God, there's nothing we can do. Right. Um, I just really love that in the world of this story, like this random Ammonite guy perfectly understands like <laughs> their history and theology. Oh, he's a bit, of a, a bit of a student of the Jews. Yeah, exactly Jews, what's yeah. at stake for them. Like it took the Israelites, oh, I don't know, hundreds of years. <laughs> and then this Ammonite guy's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I got it. It's like. Even though they don't know it sometimes, if they just worship their God and obey his commandments, they have like perfect armor and they can never be destroyed. So Halfernes does not like this <laughs> philosophizing. Nope. Um, he's like, like, how dare you say that there's a circumstance under which our army couldn't win? Or that there's a God above Nebuchadnezzar. Right. Um, so he has Ahior tied up and left outside Bethulia. Mm -hmm. um, and he's like, well, if you think these Israelites are so great then you're going to have the same fate as them. Right. So when we invade this town and burn it down and kill everyone, that's going to include you. The Israelites grab him, bring him in, bring him to the, the elders or whatever. Right. The head of the town is named Uzziah. Yes. And they um, he tells them what happened, and they're they're quite chuffed <laughs> about it. How, how chuffed are they? They throw a banquet for him. I would say well chuffed. <laughs> and uh, Double chuffed? Uh, bear chuffed. Mm -hmm. That's know. good. Okay. That's good. Okay, great. You did good. Great. So, Holofernes is going to go ahead with his attack. Yes. Um, but then one of his dudes says like... One of his lieutenants or whatever. Yeah. Um, instead of attacking them, we should cut off their water supply. Um, because like they have the tactical advantage here and we want to just like starve them out basically. Um... It's a classic and, siege Yeah, situation. so now we've got, we've seen this many times in the Bible. The city is under siege. It's locked down. 
food can't get in or out. They're slowly going through their water supply. Mm -hmm. And um, this has ended before in some pretty dire consequences, such as eating your own shit, eating your own children, (laughs) um, (laughs) and fun, fun situations like that. It hasn't gotten that bad here in Bethulia yet. No. But everyone is getting weaker and weaker. They're running out of food and water, and the people of the town want to surrender. So this guy, Uzziah, he's like the head elder or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's a head man. <laughs> is that like a like a breast man or like a leg man? Mm-hmm. But he's like, he respects women for their minds. <laughs> just, just the head, please. <laughs> he is like, okay, let's... Hold up for right now. We'll give it like five days. Right, because the town comes to him and is like, we cannot do this anymore. We need to surrender. And, and he has to say, like, well, let's give God like five days. And then if he still hasn't intervened, we'll surrender. So at this point, we're going to meet Judith, mm-hmm. the hero of our tale. So in Hebrew, the name Judith is Yodit. Yehudit. Which is the feminine form of the name Judah. Okay. Which you'll remember we're in the kingdom of Judah. Right. Um, and That's convenient, isn't it? It is also in Hebrew today the feminine version of the word Jewish, mm. um, which I so learned she's a Jewish very quickly in Hebrew class because I always had to say any lo yodit. I am not Jewish. Mm. How'd that make you feel? A little, a little left out. <laughs> No. Um, it, Maybe one day you can get circumcised too. <laughs> oh, God. No, it made me feel like I had uh, goy privilege, <laughs> like Luke said in our uh, Esther episode. Oh, right. <laughs> um, anyway, we've seen, you know, the kingdom of Judah and the city of Jerusalem personified as women. Mm-hmm. And so now we're getting this That character. always ends well, well right? <laughs> yeah, I guess it's, it previously ended pretty badly. But uh, this character, Judith, is now very perfectly poised to symbolize the Israelites as like a political slash cultural whole. Mm -hmm. And uh, here's what we know about Judith. Oh, yeah. She is very beautiful. Super beautiful. She is very religious. She observes all the holidays. She's a widow. She's a widow. Her husband died from a sunstroke he got while, quote, supervising the farm workers in the field. Struck down for exploiting the labor of the proletariat. <laughs> see. Uh, but he see. he left her, you know, like she inherited his uh, considerable estate. Mm-hmm. So she's also very rich. Right. And she calls Uzziah and the other elders over to her house. And she's like, okay, you can't tell God that he has five days to deliver the goods. Like, And pretty much explains like, hey, you can't hold God like, hostage. You can't give him conditions. He's fucking yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> like it's you're not the way it works. A stupid. Person. I really like her line there too, which is like, "You don't understand how the human heart works. So how can you even pretend to understand how God works?" Which is a good point. Yes. And Uzziah's <laughs> response kind of also proves her point because he's just like, "Uh, yeah, you're right, but like." They're real angry it's with me. It's kind of too late. Like, I already did it. So, like, pray for us or whatever. I don't well, know. he promised before God that that's what they would do. Oh, okay. So he, so made he one, can't he go made, back on he it. He made one of those unbreakable promises, which you would think people would learn to just not do that. I know. Like, okay. I have a whole rant on this. It don't happens, get her started, It happens people. in a lot of, like, mythology, too. Like, in Greek mythology, mm-hmm. like, Zeus is always like, well... I made a promise. Now I have to kill you. And it's like, well, you're Zeus. You can just not do it. Like, just break the promise. You're Zeus. <laughs> anyway. Nobody will respect him if he breaks his promise. So. I think they have to respect him because he can, like, send down thunder on him. But Judith, back to Judith. Judith is like, I'm going to do more than pray. Mm-hmm. The exact quote in my uh, good news translation is. In I, space, no one can hear you scream. <laughs> I am going to do something which our Jewish people will never forget, but you must not ask me what I am going to do. Yeah, which is kind of stupid. Nothing about her plan requires anybody to be ignorant of her plan. But, okay. It's more dramatic that way. Yeah, it is. It is. And Uzziah's like, okay, like, I don't want to know. Like, do do whatever you got to do. She's going deep undercover. (laughs) Kind of she is. Yeah, no, she is. She's going hella deep undercover. And, uh, We will find out what her plan is after a break. Okay. 
We're going to take a break. You're going to hear some music, and then we'll be right back with more Sunday School Dropouts. Bye-bye. Hello. Welcome back to Sunday School Dropouts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Nico. And we're talking about the apocryphal book of Judith. And when we left off... We were just introduced to the lady herself. And she was getting ready to execute a secret plan. Yes. Against the army of quote-unquote Assyria. Mm-hmm. Uh, quote-unquote Neb Flanders. <laughs> led by uh, General Holofernes. Mm-hmm. So she says a prayer the first part of her plan is she prays real hard then she gets all dolled up Mm -hmm. she does her hair she puts on jewelry etc oh yeah it does mention her sandals several times and um she also (laughs) prepares a big bag of kosher food and kosher dishes Mm -hmm. like plates and she gives those to her slave woman to carry uh that's what my my good news translation had slave woman i'm not sure what mine had okay um regardless they leave the city the two of them and they head toward the assyrian camp maid it says maid oh okay maid yeah slave woman maid <laughs> same deal <laughs> one of them you wouldn't mind being one of mine you would and um so they're like out in the just the open mm-hmm. and an assyrian patrol unit picks them up and Judith is like, I want to help Holofernes defeat the Israelites. It's like, I'm the only one that can help him because I have a secret plan that will let him win the war and, and the battle. they're like not suspicious at all. They're like, damn, you're pretty hot. All yeah. right, we'll take you to Holofernes. It's cool. They say to one another, this is a quote, who can despise these people who have women like this among them? It is not wise to leave one of their men alive for if we let them go, they will be able to beguile the whole world. <laughs> Um, so the take her to Holofernes. Mm-hmm. Holofernes like, is like, yo, we found you like a pretty like hot, super hot chick. And he's like, whoa, what's up? You're hot. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is just, that's, that's really like, how they really act. That's really an accurate representation. <laughs> so and, she reveals her scam. Well, well, first she does something that a lot of women have done to trick men into doing what they want, uh-huh. which is she tells him. We've heard how wise and clever you are. The whole world knows that you are the most competent, skilled, and accomplished general in the whole Assyrian Empire. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, it's fine. Uh, I'm doing okay. It's pretty cool. You know what? I'm just I'm just on my grind. And uh, so she tells him, like, this, this Ammonite guy that you left outside our town, mm-hmm. he was right. And... You can defeat us only if we're sinning against our God. I love the way that she interweaves the truth with lies. <laughs> She's very skillful. To create the the powerful, powerful rope of scam that she <laughs> to trap a, to trap an army. Are you saying she's like Joanne the Scammer? She's like Judith the Scammer. She's a messy bitch who loves drama. I mean, she kind of is, except she's not that messy. She's actually quite clean. That's true. That's true. This is like precision operation. <laughs> so she says like... The thing is, you're in luck because God is about to abandon the Israelites because they are about to sin. And the reason why is they're like caught under siege and they're running out of food. So they're going to have to start eating non-kosher food. They're going to have to start eating food that's supposed to be sacrificed to God. Or drinking drinking the blood of the animals, which you're not supposed to do. And then God's going to be pissed and he's going to use your army as a tool to punish them for their sins as he has done. So many times before. (laughs) 
And um, so she makes him an offer that she's, she'll like chill in the camp mm-hmm. and every day she'll go out into the valley. Every night. I'm sorry. Every night she'll go out into the valley and pray and God will let her know when the Israelites have started sinning. She'll pass the memo on to him yep. and then he can attack. And uh, so Holofernes agrees to this, doing something that no man has ever done, which is he says, not only are you beautiful, you know how to give a speech. (laughs) And he says, she must be the wisest and most beautiful woman in the world. This is like, I have never been hit on by someone complimenting my wisdom or public speaking skills. It is always (laughs) just looks, always. Jot that one down in the notebook. Uh, Yeah. If you if fellas, you, if you're out there trying to make that special lady yours, public speaking skills. Shema, hey, your diction is great. Have I can you, understand all of the words that you say. Have you been doing Toastmasters? <laughs> TM? You into TM? Uh, or is that transcendental meditation? I, that's transcendental trademark. medication. Oh, I'm into that. So Holofernes invites her to dine with him in his tent, and she says she can't because she can only eat kosher food. Um, So she can only eat the stuff that she brought with her. Mm -hmm. So she just, like, lives in the camp for three days. Every night she goes out with her her maid and goes out into the wilderness and prays. Her slave woman. um, And, like, eats her own food, stays in her own tent. And Holofernes is like, what are you going to do when you run out of food? And she's like, well, this will all be settled before I run out of food. Yeah. On the fourth day, Holofernes sends his eunuch employee, Bagoas, to invite Judith to dinner again. The quote is great. Do you want me to read it? Uh, I I also have a great quote. Okay. Uh, Yeah, give yours first. Go and persuade the Hebrew woman who is in your care to join us and to eat and drink with us. For it would be a disgrace if we let such a woman go without having intercourse with her. If we do not seduce her, she will laugh at us. That is quite close to the GNT, the genitonic position. Um, (laughs) I like mine with lime, please. I like mine with booze. (laughs) It would be a shame to pass up up an opportunity to make love to a woman like that. Mm -hmm. If I don't try to seduce her, she'll laugh at me. Is this something men... Do. Like, do men think that women will laugh at them if they don't try to seduce them? Because it is a very much the other way around. <laughs> like, the only way a woman's going to laugh at you is if you try to pick her up and she's not into it. If you just mind your own business, you're fine. I mean, you wouldn't be concerned that the woman would laugh at you. You'd be concerned that other men would laugh at you. Well, They'd be like, you had that beautiful Jewess in your camp for... <laughs> is that bad? I, I don't know. <laughs> you're the one who's Jewish, sort of. Sort of. The men would laugh at you. The woman would not. Okay. Well, that's not what he says here. Well, he's a fucking idiot. Okay. I mean, that's established. So, Bagoas, the eunuch, goes to Judith's tent. And again, this is the uh, the G&T. Says, lovely lady, the general invites you to his tent for some drinks. <laughs> some drinks. <laughs> and uh, this time Judith accepts, but she brings her own food. Mm-hmm. And mine just says, like, that Holofernes is so charmed by Judith that he gets drunker than he's ever been. Let me read the, the quote from mine. Okay. Holofernes' heart was ravished with her and his passion was aroused, for he had been waiting for an opportunity to seduce her from the day he first saw her. So Holofernes said to her, have a drink and be merry with us. Judith said, I will gladly drink, my lord, because today is the greatest day in my whole life. <laughs> then she took what her maid had prepared and ate and drank before him. Holofernes was greatly pleased with her and drank a great quantity of wine, much more than he had ever drunk in any one day since he was born. Okay, pro tip. If you're trying to get a lady to hang out with you. Mm-hmm. Asking her for drinks is great. Do not get drunker than you've ever been in your life. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not going to help you achieve any of your goals. <laughs> okay, We're having some, we're giving some uh, pickup tips this yeah. episode. Okay, so what do we have so far? Um, compliment her public speaking skills. Or her wisdom. Or her wisdom. Um, you're fine if you don't hit on her. <laughs> yeah. She won't laugh at you. No one will laugh at you. And uh, also don't get drunker than you've ever been in your life. Yeah. That if, reminds me of that Margaret Atwood quote about... Yeah, women fear men will kill them and men fear women will laugh at them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except in this story, he's like... 
really confused about what situations a woman would laugh at him in. <laughs> That's true. But he's just a brilliant general, baby. He doesn't know about the ways of love. Doesn't know about the ways of seduction. He's, he, he doesn't know how to party even. He gets too drunk. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Like Judith is the consummate party master. She's just like rocking that one glass of wine. Yeah, like, she's pretending. She's like, oh, I'm so drunk. <laughs> uh, anyway, Halfrin just passes out drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody leaves the party because they're like, oh, you know, general fucking suck is going to get down with this. <laughs> General what now? General Hackensack is oh, what I said. Okay, okay. That sounds uh, really close to Holofernes, so I see where you got that. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody leaves. There's just Judith and her slave woman there. And so Judith grabs his, grabs his head by the hair and chops off his head with his sword. First she says, give me strength today, O Lord oh, yeah, God just, of Israel. Then she struck his neck twice with all her might and cut off his head. Then she she rolls the body up in what the GNT calls a mosquito net. <laughs> it's just as a canopy. A canopy. Got it. I'm not sure if mosquitoes are a problem in that part of the world. They must be. You think so? Well, they, I mean, mosquitoes. You didn't do any research on this? I, you know what? I didn't because I just assumed that mosquitoes are everywhere. Mm. But I mean, they do transmit West Nile virus, right? So they're from like the Nile. They're in the, they're in the region. Fair enough. You know what? I'm the fool here. Thank you for finally admitting that you don't know anything about mosquitoes. <laughs> I've been waiting nine years. To I know to like that. two things about mosquitoes. I don't like them and they can go to hell. <laughs> um, she gives the severed head to her slave woman to put in the food bag. Who's like, thanks, mistress. I know. The first slave woman, I'll put it in the food bag. First she has to carry the fucking dishes and all the food. <laughs> and then she has to carry the goddamn severed head. So anyway, they go out. They pretend like they're just going to their nightly valley prayer. Yeah. They talk to the guards. They're like, hey, we're just going to go pray to God. Nothing wrong here. Um, But actually, they go back to Bethulia mm-hmm. with the head of Holofernes in a food bag. <laughs> and Judith Put is it like. In the food bag. <laughs> Our food bag should be big enough for a head, right? <laughs> a head is food shaped. Judith is like, uh, like, look, we did it. You know, like we defeated our enemy. And I didn't even get raped. Isn't that great? That's right. She's like, just to be clear, I didn't fuck him. I just killed him. And like, nobody raped me. Isn't this, this is just, this worked out so great. Um, and Achior, the, um, the Ammonite or Ammonite guy mm-hmm. who was um, tied up and left outside Bethulia, he is so impressed that he A, faints, and B, Gets circumcised and joins the Israelites. Yeah, cut off that dick skin, boys. So, we got a new one. So impressed that his foreskin just flies right off. <laughs> it shoots off jet like, powered. <laughs> I'm free. <laughs> Later, suckers. Um, and then Judith gives these sort of military orders here. Mm-hmm. And she says, you know, like in the morning, like march on their camp. They'll go try to wake up Holofernes and they'll see that he's dead and then they'll panic. But you got to display the head on the wall, too. Yes, and display the head on the wall. That's how we do things because it's like 500 BC (laughs) and we're like fucking. And we don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Life is short and brutish. Yeah. And so they do that. They march. Uh, The the Syrians go to wake up Holofernes and uh, they find him dead. The uh, Bagoas the eunuch has a great line in the Good News translation, which says, look in there. Holofernes is lying dead on the ground. And his head is gone. <laughs> Mine says pretty much the same thing. As if it wasn't bad enough that he's dead, now his head is gone too? It's like, it like, problem one, he's lying on the ground. <laughs> he didn't even sleep in his bed. How is he going to general us if he didn't get a good night's he's sleep? He's wrapped up in a mosquito now. What the hell? <laughs> that's problem a, two. That's memory foam, baby. <laughs> problem two, no head. Blood everywhere. What the hell? Um... True to Judith's predictions, the Assyrian army scatters uh, in panic. The Israelites plunder their camp, which has so much stuff in it, it takes them a month to loot it all. Oh, yeah. And Judith gets all of Holofernes' fancy furniture. Yes, and she gets the mosquito net. <laughs> <laughs> she gets the tent, too. Nice. And so everybody gets, like, hella rich. What do you they do get with a fancy this, tent? They get all this loot. What are you, what are you not going to do with a fancy tent? That's true. I could do a lot of things with a fancy tent. Don't even get me started. Um, I mean, he had like a banquet in this tent. It's like, I mean, that's a nice tent. It's a nice tent. Right. Um, 
the high priest and the council come from Jerusalem to congratulate Judith. They have a ladies-only parade. Mm-hmm. All the women of Israel gathered to see her and blessed her, and some of them performed a dance in her honor. She took ivy-wreathed wands in her hands and distributed them to the women who were with her. And she and those who were with her crowned themselves with olive wreaths. She went before all the people in the dance, leading all the women, while all the men of Israel followed, bearing their arms and wearing garlands and singing hymns. Mm, the Second Amendment, nice. <laughs> That's true. Proudly, open carry, <laughs> right on into the Chipotle, because it's America. God damn it. Uh, Judith sings a song that is described as a song of praise and a song of thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I like the song. Like any song of praise or thanksgiving, it ends with the uplifting <laughs> inspirational words the nations who rise up against my people are doomed the lord almighty will punish them on judgment day he will send fire and worms to devour their bodies and they will weep in pain forever (laughs) he will send fire and worms into their flesh they shall weep in pain forever 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 (laughs) uh yeah i would really like one of those like one a day desk calendars uh-huh. that have like inspirational Bible verses, you know, and like pictures of like lambs and doves. Like I, you know, I just want like a rainbow and it's like fire and worms devour their flesh. Oh, yeah. you could have one with all like metal shit and like people being taken apart and all the gnarliest parts of the Bible. I can have one. I mean, I'll make it for you, baby. Oh, okay, thank you. I'll How long till your that? birthday? Uh, Three weeks. Oh, shit. You got to work fast. You better work. Anyway, Judith uh, lived happily ever after. Mm -hmm. She was famous and everyone loved her. Uh, She never got remarried. She lived until age 105. She set her maid free. Yeah, she she set all her slaves free. Which makes it sound like like you don't set a maid free. True. You you fire a maid. You set a slave woman free. So she set all her slaves free. And left a big inheritance to her family and her dead husband's family. No one ever again spread terror among the Israelites during the lifetime of Judith or for a long time after her death. What's funny is that, like, um, we talk about, like, George Washington Mm -hmm. and people like the same way. Oh, we talk about him all the time. (laughs) He is the father of our country. Can we spend one day without talking about George Washington? We're like, oh, you know, he set his slaves free when he died. Like, he was such a good man. (laughs) It's like, that's like the same rhetoric, like literally over 2,000 years later. That's true. That's true. Um, it's like, he had the right to own him and he was a rich dude, so it was good that he owned him. Yeah, like, but he set them free when he died, so like, that's really nice of him. <laughs> At the moment when he could no longer benefit from their labor. Exactly. <laughs> from owning human beings. Yes. He set them free. Now his wife has to figure out how to cook on her own, like, I don't know. <laughs> You think she's not going to buy more slaves to cook for? Oh, yeah. Okay. I guess the wife will have to buy more slaves. Um. Anyway, what did you think of the book of Judith? You know what? I thought it was pretty damn good, honestly. Pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. You know who else thought it was pretty damn good? The Catholics? A bunch of Baroque painters. Mm. This is a very popular subject for uh, Baroque painters. Mm-hmm. Um. Because it had pretty ladies and violence. In yeah, it. the main two things. Still, the main two things that we want in our movies. So the the Caravaggio version, uh-huh. which this. was just in the news not not too long. ago. It was. Yeah, because there there was a another version of it found or something like that. Uh, well, I I really like that one because uh, Judith looks oddly like Scarlett Johansson. Okay, and she is cutting off Holofernes' head in the way that I imagine Scarlett Johansson would, where it's like. <laughs> The sword is kind of like held at arm's length and she's just kind of like, am I cutting it? Like, <laughs> uh, this is kind of gross. Like, um, it, it would take a lot of effort to cut know, somebody's right. head off with a sword. So that is why the best, my favorite version of this painting is by Artemisia Gentileschi. Oh, of course, the Gentileschi. Well, she, she was the first woman in the Academy of Fine Arts in Florence. Oh, and all of her paintings are about, like, women from the Bible, women from classical mythology. Okay. She, like, only did women. And she was famously raped at a young age and actually, like, prosecuted the rapist in court, which mm. was very rare at the time. She was raped by her painting tutor. Oh, my God. Um, And 
I don't want to like make that her defining feature mm-hmm. or like her origin story, but like the sort of the story around her is that that figures into a lot of her paintings. I don't know it, how true that is, but I will say she painted multiple versions of Judith and Holofernes. Mm-hmm. Um, and her painting of like the actual severing of the head is like by far the most violent and bloody and like muscular Mm -hmm. like realistic version of any of the ones that i've seen nice so yeah that's i recommend uh looking up the the gentileski version of judith and holofernes there's also some other cool ones yeah uh, um, i saw the klimt version yeah the klimt yeah yeah a lot of the other versions just have like like she's bearing her tits (laughs) and it's like it's like she's seducing him Uh and it's like okay well that's like fine but like that's not really like the the point of it interesting part (laughs) and also the story kind of centers on her actually being very pure and not right actually getting naked but whatever you can paint naked titties if you want but i can't gentileski's version is cooler that's true it's interesting the reason why this isn't included in like the jewish canon is basically because of its ahistorical elements. Mm-hmm. And that I read the, the Jewish Encyclopedia entry on it, Jewish Encyclopedia from 1906, oh. which is online in its entirety and is worth a read. And you can like look up anything from the, the Bible thing. or whatever. Yeah, it's all there. Um, it's pretty interesting because some of the commentary in it goes back as far as like 1850 or whatever. Anyway, in it, they talked about the reason why it's not in the canon is mostly for its ahistoricity. Right. Because, I mean, it's like, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, like king of Assyria. Yeah, it's like, like, and all okay. these made up places. Yeah. For example, we didn't talk about this earlier, but Bethulia. Do you know what Bethulia means? No. It means virginity. Really? Yes. That's very interesting. I assumed like that Beth usually, what's transliterated as Beth usually means house. Mm -hmm. So I assumed it would be house of something, but. It's apparently, it's apparently virginity. Hmm. And it's not a real town. Hmm. It's totally made up. I didn't know that. Although all of the descriptions of the place, including its relative location to other real places and its geographical features, matches up with a place called Shechem. Shechem. Oh, Shechem. That's yeah. that's where uh, that's where Dinah's brothers, Jacob's twelve sons, um, that's right. Killed. They killed um, the the prince of the city. And so that's its big. It's big. It's t- also where they had a mass circumcision in uh, Joshua judges. Mm-hmm. So the big two links for it thematically are. The Book of Tobit. Right, because that had media in it, I remember. And the story of Simeon and, and his brother. Um, Levi. And Levi getting revenge for Dinah. Yeah. Which are both sort of similar to this story. A- anyway, th- those... Well, it's interesting because, like... Those are the, like, physical links to those. They... I mean, like, they get revenge because her virginity has been stolen, mm-hmm. right? So that's interesting, I guess. Did you read anything? It just seems to me like... Kind of just like a retelling of the Book of Esther Mm -hmm. for like a new political era where it's like, like we're all one nation, we're all united, we're God's chosen people, we won't be taken over again, Uh, we're strong and wise and our women are really attractive, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera, but like just in a different sort of circumstance. Another echo that was pointed out was the story of Deborah oh okay yeah yeah because she was like a military commander she was a military commander also in that story there was a military commander that was seduced and well yael stuck a uh a tent stake yeah. through the head of i forget the guy's name cicera oh yeah cicera or cicera danny boy danny boy the pipes are calling and they're calling me the pipes are calling. to tell you that it's time to rate this book okay um cool i'm into it um uh who wants to go first uh you do i do what what would you what kind of rating would you give this book my dear um i think i want to give it seven out of eight food bags because well okay because it was a historical because it's like a folktale basically right it is like really well constructed Mm -hmm. they don't need to come up with like excuses for why this hill is named this yeah you know it's just like Here's a good story that, yeah. that we have um, invented and streamlined over the years. It turns out when you just invent a story out of nothing, you can really, you know, it can really snap. Yeah, you can go it can anywhere really pop, you want it to go. You know? It's got that zazz. <laughs> um, obviously, I liked that it's a female protagonist. Uh-huh. Um, and 
I liked this in in Esther and the story of Esther. She's she was kind of disappointingly passive. She was. Um. She like kind of didn't do anything, and she had to have her cousin like be like, "Yo, you you really got to do something." And she's like, "But I'm scared." Right. Um. Not that that didn't make for a compelling story, but it was cool to see a woman be like, "Yo, I'm taking charge. I'm killing." Generals, I'm commanding militaries. She only kills one general, but yeah. I'm killing general parentheses. (laughs) I'm killing one or more generals. (laughs) And um, I don't know. Maybe she's like, I mean, I kind of like that she like lived to age 105 without marrying or having kids, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's kind of like my goal to live to age 105 without marrying or having kids. (laughs) I mean, no offense to you. Like, I want to, like, live and chill with you for those rest of those, like, 80 years. I'll be dead long before you reach 105. You know Uh, that. But, like, I'm not super into marriage or kids. I mean, I'm not super into, like, murder either, but... Murder? It seems kind of fine. I don't know. Murder seems kind of fine? I mean, if it's, like, you know, your enemy general or whatever. I don't know who my enemy general would be, but it'd be cool to save your people it would be cool to save your people that's that part seems cool yes and like the part where everybody loves her and she's famous Mm -hmm. that's how fame always works you're uh universally loved by everyone and nothing ever bad happens to you again that's right so um judith is hashtag goals (laughs) okay um (laughs) what do you rate this book i'm gonna give it eight out of ten iron age scams oh (laughs) and uh why is that lots of the same reasons that you said it's nicely constructed because it's just a story it's not heavy on the theology you know but yeah it's just like i mean there's a constant drumbeat of like god's gonna help us god's gonna help us but that's like it's kind of that's it i like the fact that it lays out the sort of plight of the of the jews pretty straight in in a pretty straightforward fashion you know that like hey like, there's a guy that pops up, Mr. Exposition, that pops up and is like, here's the story of the Jews so far. <laughs> yeah. Let me sum it up for you in, like, three, three Mr. paragraphs. Mr. Exposition is different from Mr. X, by the way. That's right. And I like the fact that God doesn't really take an active role in this, per se, according to the narrator, you know? Like, basically, even though Judith says, God will take care of us, you just have to trust him, she goes out and does it mm-hmm. because, you know, she's a believer and... God is acting through her or yeah. whatever. The Lord helps those who help themselves. That's right. Um, so not very complicated theology. That's a plus. Lots of action. Stuff happening on every page. Yeah. She pulls some sweet scams. Um, she kills a dude after getting him drunk, which is insane. She's iconic. Loves drama. <laughs> <laughs> and... It's apocryphal, too, so it's not like it doesn't have that. Uh, for some reason, reading these apocryphal books, I'm like, oh, you know, this is kind of like a secret, secret book. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it's like it doesn't have that same weight of like, oh, my God, people like base their life view on this. Yeah. Even though it is in the Catholic and Orthodox Bibles. Yeah, but like Catholics don't read the Bible. So the people who this is supposed to be canon for, like probably even haven't read it, probably haven't even read it, Maybe. probably read it, haven't even Anyway, those are those are my rating reasons. Cool, cool. Why not a perfect rating? Why not a perfect rating? I mean, I know it sounds contradictory, but because it was kind of simple and straightforward and streamlined, <gasps> it didn't have that same it wasn't very like mystical or like powerful. You, you know what I'm saying? You didn't feel like you were um, reading any fever dreams or Ancient astronauts. No, I mean, and it also didn't feel like it really had that much wisdom in it. You know, like even mm-hmm. as a, even as a folk story, it's kind of like the wisdom is like rely on God. Yeah, it's like Trust it's like God. a rely on God, but b go do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah, which I'm a little confused about. In her prayers, she's always like, "God, I know that you have um, like foreseen everything." But please let this happen, even though I know that it's not going to happen if you didn't already plan it out. But please let it happen. Right. Um, and I mean, maybe I maybe I should bump it up to nine because I really like the new look Judeans in this story who are like, hey, guys, just a reminder, <laughs> the, 
this is we really got to worship God yeah. and like pay attention to him. Yeah. That's our only. Cl- I'm like these guys have fucking learned a lesson. These, finally, finally, somebody read one of these books over here. Finally, you know, which is it's pretty intense. I mean, considering how much time we've spent with people who have not read these books. It's true, like us. <laughs> well, now we have. For now. And I have nothing more to to say about how I feel about Judith. Overall, nice breezy read. Top notch, breezy, breezy. Top notch, late summer read. <laughs> Push this one to the top of the pile. Something else that's easy breezy is following us on Twitter at Sunschool Drop. You can also follow us on Facebook. The URL is Sunschool Drop, or you can just search for Sunday School Dropouts. Our website is at SundaySchoolDropouts.lol, and you can send us email by firing up the old email machine. Uh huh. You know, it's going to ask you for an address. This is where it gets complicated. (laughs) And you got to tell it, send my message to contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol. All right. Um, And he'll say, yes, sir. That's not Your message is on your way. That won't happen. Uh, We want to thank Elise Carlton for our logo and Nico for all our music and sound engineering and editing and like everything. And you're welcome, my dear. Of course, you can follow Lauren on Twitter at Lauren E. O'Neill. O'Neill spelled like Shaquille. You can't follow Nico on Twitter because he is not on it. What you can do is you can go on iTunes and rate and review us. We don't have any ads. We don't ask for donations. All we ask is that you just take 30 seconds, go to iTunes, give us, you know, eight out of eight severed Assyrian heads. 69 out of 69 Jewish sandals. And, uh, you know, and just write a little review, just, you know, like whatever, like this podcast rules. It changed my life. Um, it got me hard. Whatever you want to what? say. <laughs> it cleared up my acne. <laughs> got my acne hard. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody knows of a podcast that will actually clear up acne, please let me know. Lauren E. O'Neill on Twitter. Hope to see you next week on Sunday School Dropouts. Of course, my name is Nico. I'm Lauren. And we will see you on Sunday. Bye. Bye.